Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. You can follow along in your bulletin. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you want to find a time when people, and I mean me, hold their money more tightly than usual, it's probably always going to be around tax season. Every year, my husband and I gather all the documents that we need, we head down to the accountant, and she actually, while we are sitting there, kind of inputs all the figures into, and into our tax return, and we're sitting there wondering, how much do we owe? Or how much are we getting? And if we owe anything, how much do we have to pay to the government? And it's true, as people say, taxes, are the price that we pay for civilization. But that doesn't mean that it is not hard to give up the money. 
a few days ago, I was scrolling on Facebook, and I happened to stumble upon a story about um, the televangelist Kenneth Copeland. He was talking about a single-engine Cessna that is in his possession, and he told people that one day he looked up and he saw this brown Cessna flying above him, and he, he said that he heard a voice that said that this was his plane. And lo and behold, it did become his plane. And one day he is polishing the plane up and two young men who are connected with his ministry came up to him and they acknowledged how great this was, that this was God's plane and that brought the good reverend up short. He fires back, no, this doesn't belong to the Lord. He gave it to me. I dedicated it to him, but it's mine. Now maybe... I shouldn't be surprised that a televangelist would say something like this. But even so, it's still shocking. Because when it came to something that he wanted, it became his possession and not God's. It was not a gift, simply a gift from God, but it was to, for him only to use, but that's how he saw it. Now, it's easy to make fun of someone like Kenneth Copeland. But let's be honest, most of us probably are not any better. We don't want to admit it, but let's, we, we tend to hold on to our possessions pretty tightly. And it may not be a plane. It may be something else. But... There is something in our lives that we sometimes hold and we are really afraid to share. Now, this passage today, I will say I've never been always that crazy to preach about it, and I think a lot of pastors aren't. The, pastor, the passage asks the young man to do something that to him seemed impossible. And the thing is, is that as pastors... We want to soften this passage. We want to say that Jesus was doing something metaphorically. But the challenge that Jesus puts before this young man is true, and it is extreme. But let's start this story at the beginning. Jesus is approached by this young man, and he asks Jesus a question. Now, last week when we were here, we talked about the fact that the Pharisees asked Jesus a question on divorce. And I think I told you that the word they used to ask a question was the same word to test, which is the same word that's used in the temptation of Jesus by Satan. But that's not the case here. This man is not interested in trying to test Jesus, he actually has a question. He wants to know what he needs to do to gain eternal life. So Jesus rattles off some parts of the Ten Commandments, and the gentleman proudly explains that he has followed all of this since he was a child. And this is when Jesus does something that I think is rather fascinating. Jesus, the Bible says that he looks at this young man with a loving expression. 
Actually, it even says in some versions, he loved him. Jesus truly, truly cared about this man. And so that is when he knows that what he is going to say is going to be hard. And he looks at him with that sense of love, knowing that this man is probably not going to follow what he is suggesting. So Jesus lowers the boom. He says that the young man is missing just one thing. So that's when Jesus instructs the young man to sell everything he has, give it to the poor, and follow him. That look of pride that young man once had melts away. And in its place is now this look of shock. He looks away from Jesus, pondering the words that have just been spoken. And after a short while, he turns and walks away. Why was he shocked? Well, scripture says it's because he had great wealth. Jesus' response was that it was very hard for people who had wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And while we might nod and say yes, someone like a, a John Rockefeller would be hard to get into the kingdom of God, the reality is any one of us that places more trust in possessions than in God will find it rather hard. Jesus is asking the impossible. We can chastise the young man for not giving up his wealth, but let's be honest, most of us would have a hard time giving up that wealth. I don't know about you, but knowing that it gets cold here in Minnesota, I'm not necessarily that interested in giving away all of my clothing, such as what is the tale that has been told about St. Francis. When we look at this text, it's easy to think about what this man's question was. What did he need to do to gain eternal life? He wanted to know if there was something, if there was anything that he needed to do, that he needed to follow, that was going to give him eternal life, to be part of God's kingdom. We all kind of think about that question, but the point of the matter here is, I think the young man was asking the wrong question. He believed that there was something that needed to be done, something that he had to do to get into God's kingdom. And when Jesus says, basically, that it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle, and Jesus meant that literally, it was not softened into... As, as sometimes has been told, that probably should give us a clue that there is nothing that we can do to gain eternal life. We are saved through the grace of God. 
he could not, this young man could not give up his own wealth by his own action. We are not saved through our works. We are saved through Jesus Christ. And that is why Jesus said that while things from humanity are impossible, things through God are possible. Now, none of that means that we just get to walk away from this passage. It's still there. It's still asking us a question. But the point here is not what must we do to be saved. The point is, what is our response to God's grace? The point is, what does God expect as followers of Jesus? Or to paraphrase the prophet Micah, what does the Lord require of us? When you have time, look at Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. This is a description of the early church And they gather, and you hear these words. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. These people responded to the grace of God by giving their possessions. It was the love of God that spurned them, that spurred them to see their possessions as things that could be shared. We don't have to give our possessions to be saved, but as people who are saved through the risen Christ, we have to wonder what is it, how do we respond? Christ responded by giving sacrificially. How are we giving of our sacrifices? Doesn't mean necessarily that we give up everything, but how are we giving of ourselves in our money, in our time, and yes, at times in our possessions? We are saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. So what must we do to inherit eternal life? Well, the answer is simple, nothing. Instead, as followers of the risen Christ, we give what we have out of gratitude for what God has done to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as the, as the old hymn Take My Life says, this is how we are to act. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and see every power as thou shalt choose, every power as thou shalt choose. Thanks be to God. Amen.
We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.